right, let's go. Let's go to First Timothy. First Timothy, chapter number two. Tom and Susan both got the same day off today. This is twenty their twenty year anniversary of being in Bible Baptist Church. And that's a real blessing. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, some people don't make it twenty days in Bible Baptist Church, but they. They've not been able to break free of the cult for two decades. <laughs> They've been a blessing. All right, we're going to talk tonight about Jesus Christ, the man. The man. This morning, we, you know, we, we talked about that common phrase the world uses, get a life, and saw that Jesus Christ was the life. Another one of the phrases they used for a while, it's kind of faded out now, is, is uh, that, that grammatically splendid, you demand. Or, and it's, it's, it's uh, some kind of way of saying you are the man, or you're the man, or the man you is, or you, you be the man, or the man, and just point, he's the man. But there's, there's only one who is the man. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Lord and that he's Christ and that he's the man. For he truly is the man. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Father, bless your word to our hearts. Use it, we pray, in our lives, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we looked at this verse just so recently when we were considering Jesus Christ as the mediator. But had Jesus Christ not been the man, he could not have been the mediator. It required a man who was holy and without sin to stand in the presence of God. And God, it was required of God that he be manifest in the flesh in order to accomplish what's written in these verses. In order to save men, in order to bring men to the knowledge of the truth, in order for men to have a mediator, those men had to have a ransom. Someone had to pay the purchase price for our souls, and no man could do that because all men have sinned and all men have come short of the glory of God. And so the Son of God became the man. And as a man, Jesus Christ lived without sin. And as a man, Jesus Christ fulfilled all the laws and all the commandments and all the statutes of, 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 the, of the Scripture. And as a man, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down His life and died in your place and died in my place. And as a man, that same Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We are 100% certain according to Scripture, that Jesus Christ is God. We believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, but we are also 100% certain that He is man. He is the man, Christ Jesus. Because He's God and because He's man, 100% God, 100% man, He can be a mediator. Look at Romans chapter number 5. Romans, the fifth chapter. He is called the man, Christ Jesus. In Romans 5, the Bible says, starting at verse number 12, Romans 5, starting at verse 12, Wherefore, 
as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For the law was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But, not as the offense. Okay, so, so stop for a minute. Everybody is born in sin because of Adam's sin, though everyone does not commit the same sin that Adam committed. And this is why, even though one may not have reached the place in their life, either because of mental uh, incapacity or because of age, where they know, that they have sinned against the holy God, nevertheless, death may take them. Death may claim them because death has passed upon all men. But the scripture says that sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now, one of the charges made by people who lie, how's that? Is that people from the Bible Baptist Church and other churches that witness for the Lord Jesus Christ tell people that their children are going to hell. Nobody from our church would ever say that because it's not doctrinally correct. Your little children are victimized by your deceiving them about bunnies and fairies and leprechauns and and North Pole dwellers and that sort of thing. That's on you. But God is not going to charge their record with guilt until they commit their own sins. Until they willfully violate the known and understood commandments of God, though they have sin in them by birth, and therefore death may take hold of them, Sin is not imputed to them, so should they die as a result of Adam's sin, not as a result of their own sin, they are not going to be sentenced to hell because God is a merciful God and God is a righteous God. So nobody ever told anybody that who knows the Bible because that's not, the Bible doesn't teach that babies die and go to hell and two-year-olds die and go to hell and four-year-olds die and go to hell. That's not in the Bible. So, so nobody, nobody said that. But, but here's, here's verse 15. But, not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if, through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So, here's what the Bible says. Since a man got us all into this. It takes a man to get us all out of this. Since man brought sin into the world, there has to be a man to take away the sin of the world. And Jesus Christ came as the last Adam. Jesus Christ came as a man in a body of flesh to reverse or to undo All that Adam started and all that Adam set in motion. Now, just as sin is not imputed until you commit sin as an act of your will, 
So, in the passage, righteousness is not imputed until you receive Jesus Christ as an act of your will. The Bible sets one right against the other. All men are subject to death because of Adam's sin. And all men have an opportunity to live because of the righteous sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, who, who is sentenced to condemnation because of Adam's sin? Those who willingly participate in Adam's sin. Who receives everlasting life through the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ? Those who willingly participate in the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why is that important? Because just as surely as it is wrong to say that a child who dies in infancy goes to hell because of their parents' sin, it is equally wrong to say a child who is baptized in infancy will go to heaven because of their parents' faith or their parents' religion. Nothing the parent does affects the eternal destiny of one who has never made their own choice or their own decision. So that's, that's clear in the passage. But look also what the Bible says in verse number, verse number 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam and Moses, even over them that did not sin after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam, though he is fallen, stands as the representative. We, we look at Adam and we see, there's your hope, but he's fallen. There's your hope, but he's in sin. There's your hope, but he's leaving the garden in shame. Now, what do we learn from that verse in Romans? That we are not going to be saved by a two-headed fire-breathing dragon. We are not going to be saved by a large-headed gray alien about four feet tall or by a ver- one of the very tall greenish or blue aliens from Jupiter or from Mars or from the secret base in the heart of the moon. We're not going to be saved by somebody outside our race. We're not going to be saved by somebody who doesn't look like us, who doesn't breathe like us, who doesn't eat and sleep like us. Our Savior is not an alien. Our Savior is not one of the gods of of Norse or Roman or Greek mythology. Our Savior is going to look just like Adam looked when he walked in the garden. We are looking for a man like Adam... Without sin, like Adam, a son of God, like Adam, tempted, like Adam, but victorious. It's going to take a man to save us. By one man sinned in the world, so by one man the sin of the world should be taken away. God was manifest in the flesh... Because no one but a man could save man. Somebody had to be in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, in order to die for the race. That's why an animal sacrifice could never take away sin. It's not like you. Those bulls, those goats, those rams, those turtle doves, those oxen, those bullocks, all of those animal sacrifices, that's what they were. They were, um, they were people giving up something of value. 
as an act of worship toward God or an act of contrition toward God, but a bull couldn't take away my sin because it had never endured temptation without sinning. A lamb, a ram couldn't, I, I could, the, the priest couldn't cut its throat and shed its blood and put it on the altar and say, and this creature fulfilled the law. See, in order to take your place, somebody in, in death and sacrifice, somebody to take your place in life. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Thanks be to God. Now, come to Acts chapter number 2. Book of Acts and chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's slip up and read verse 21 so Peter can quote Paul's epistles before Paul gets saved. Acts 2.21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's uh, Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. You think think Peter's quoting Romans? Uh, No, I think Peter's quoting the author of Romans. That would be the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it's not possible that he should be holden of it. Now, in its context... There's no problem with what you just read. There are, there are as many places in the New Testament that say Jesus rose from the dead as there are that say God raised him from the dead. Some places say that Christ was raised by the power of God. And there's other places that say Jesus Christ, because it was not possible that death should hold him, walked out of the grave alive. Now, in some cases... We are viewing the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. As God Almighty, of course, death could not hold Him. He's Lord even over death. But as a man, it was God the Father who put Him to death. And it was God the Father who raised Him from the dead. And why is that significant? Because as God the Father looks at the human race for six thousand years, he finds no one whose sacrifice would be acceptable to take away sin. But when God the Father looked at that babe in the manger, when God the Father looked at that 12-year-old teaching in the temple, when God the Father watched that 30-year-old baptized of John in the Jordan River, when God the Father saw that, that one minister with signs, wonders, and miracles, face temptation here and there, when God the Father watched him hang upon that cross, he said, I am approving of this man's sacrifice. It has my seal of approval. Holy God said, I approve. Righteous God said, I approve. Sinless God said, I approve. That man was approved by God to die. Now, we talked about Jesus as the Lamb a few weeks ago. Let's consider, just for a minute, in, in, so we can be sure we got this verse right. That Passover lamb. The Bible said, 
it shall be without spot and without blemish. Now I guarantee you that if I examined the livestock at the county fair this November, I would not know what to look for. I would say, well, it looks like a pretty nice pig to me. And the expert pig judger would say, are you kidding me? Look at the, look at the relationship of the back hooves to the front hooves. I wouldn't even know what I was looking at. Now I can judge bacon. And I can judge ham. And I can judge pork ribs. And, I, and that I can judge. But that thing just walking around in the pen at the fair, I don't have any idea. But those men do. They go in there and they do cattle judging and, and all the rest of that. I don't know what they're looking for, but they know what they're looking for. So, so for me to look at a lamb and say, looks good to me, that's far different from somebody who spends their life as a shepherd. You know what Moses did before God sent him in to oversee the sacrifices of the lamb on Passover night? He spent 40 years tending flocks of sheep. Moses knew a lamb without spot and without blemish when he saw one. And I guarantee he would have said, no, you can't bring that. Well, look at that. Come on. Now you said, what was he looking at? I don't know what he's looking at. But somebody would know a no good lamb when they saw one. That's the rebuke God gave him in Malachi. He said, what are you bringing me that for? He said, you're bringing me the livestock that you can't breed because it's good for nothing. Well, you th- I, I'm God. Okay, so, so when I look, it doesn't matter. Look, this, this is how unfit men are to choose their sacrifice. Save people will sit in a church and say, their drinking son and their partying daughter isn't doing anything wrong. God's going to let you pick an acceptable sacrifice? Are you kidding me? We excuse ourselves. We excuse our friends. We excuse our, our loved ones. We excuse our fellow church members. We, we cut, cut people slack all the time. And so, so well, I think he's a pretty good guy. Well, you might. But does God find him without spot or blemish? Well, I think she's a pretty good person, and she is compared to the other not-so-pretty-good people. But God says, I want a lamb without spot, without blemish. And all through Genesis, and all through Exodus, and all through Leviticus, and all through Numbers, and all the way up to Calvary, He looked at every single member of the human race and said, No, 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 no. And when his son stepped on the scene at the Jordan River, he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And all the way to that cross, he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was the sacrifice acceptable to God. That man was approved. So if you want to get to heaven, stop trying to stop asking, Well, God, I think I'm good enough. He's going to inspect you. And when he inspects you, he's going to find things you didn't even know to look for. But I've got a beautiful coat of wool, and and I've got a beautiful form and structure, and I've never wandered into another pasture, and I've never drank from anybody else's still waters. And the Lord said, yeah, but what you don't know is you're full of worms. 
How dare you? I'm never going back to that church. When God saw Jesus Christ walk up Calvary's hill and take those nails in his hands and those nails in his feet and he watched him all those hours he hung upon that cross and when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. God the Father said, I approve. So how do you know? He raised him from the dead. So that's the man you need to go to. That's the man I need to go to in order to be saved. Come to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. So how could Jesus save anybody if he was just a man? If he was just a man, he couldn't save you. But if he was never a man, he couldn't save you. So he's a man and more than a man. In John 4 verse 29, the woman at the well left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the man, Come, see a man. How about that? Come, see a man. Which told me all things that ever I did is not this, the Christ. Same chapter, verse 42. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Who is the Savior of the world? The man. The man. Come see a man. Have you ever come to see that man? You know what people don't do? They make fun of the Bible. They make fun of Christians. They tear up tracks. They say, no, get out of my way. They say, thanks, but no thanks. You heard all the, you heard every response that can be spoken if you went to that race this morning. If you, if you went, if you went out every day of your life to talk to people about Jesus, you'll not hear anything you didn't hear in two hours today at the racetrack. There, there's, I mean, there's only a dozen answers you can give when somebody offers you a gospel track, and you heard them all in one day. Do you know what they won't do? They won't come and see. Why don't you go see if Jesus knows all about you? Why don't you go and see if Jesus offers you forgiveness of those sins? Why don't you come and see if Jesus is a man like... And that's what that's why I'm saved. I went, I went and took a look. That's why you're saved. You went and took a look. If anybody ever comes and takes an honest look at Jesus Christ, they'll trust Him. Come see a man. And they did. And their report was, okay, now we believe. We kind of believed, but we went and saw, and now we believe. And that's, that's how it goes. John chapter 7. John chapter number 7. The Bible says in verse 32, The Pharisees heard that people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Verse 44, And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. There you go. Never man spake like this man. Now, what I like about that, it's even better as it's written than it is as we quote it. Because when we quote it, we say, never a man spake like this man. And that's true. 
There's not a single man who ever spoke like Jesus. But the Holy Spirit said, every person who ever lived combined never spoke like this man. The entire human race has never spoken as much love as Jesus spoke. The entire human race has never spoken as much life-changing power as that man. The entire human race has never spoken the wonderful words of life like that man. He didn't just say never a man spake like this man. He didn't compare one man to that man. He said never man. Not in the history of the world have words been spoken like the words that came out of that man's mouth. Moses, the lawgiver, never said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Elijah, the prophet, never said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, put them all together. They never said to one man or one woman, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed and walk, thy sins be forgiven thee. Not one individual could ever say, Verily I, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. There's only one man who ever spake like that man spake. And all the men who've ever lived didn't give you what this man gave you right here in this book. You know the libraries of this world, I don't know how many books are in the, the Louvre. French, man. Sorry, I, some of you might like French, but it's, it's tough. Over in the Louvre, we say Louvre because who can pronounce it? Nobody goes to Detroit. Hey, you going up to Detroit? Yeah, I'm going to Detroit. O-I-T, that's not wa. That's That's French. Anyway, you go in that library... I don't know how many hundred thousands of, book, of books are in there, but I know this. Most of them nobody's ever read and nobody's ever going to read. They're expanding the DeLand Library so they can get more books for people to walk past on their way to the DVDs. <laughs> more benches for the homeless people to sleep on all day till the library closes. But this, this book... This collection of words spoken by Jesus Christ, they just keep churning them out by the millions and people just keep reading it and reading it and memorizing it and quoting it and preaching it and studying it and writing books about it and getting sermons out of it and having their lives changed by it. All the men who ever spake and all the men who ever wrote didn't speak like this man. Never man spake like this man. Praise the Lord. Bible says in John chapter 8, John chapter number 8, the Bible says in verse number 40, But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Now he said Abraham didn't try to, try to kill, but look, there's never been a man who walked this earth who could say, I speak the truth. Oh, sometimes, but not all the time. Oh, a lot of the time, but not every time. Oh, most of it, but not 
every bit of it. How do I look? You're going to lie. Do you like it? Uh, See, you're calculating. He never spoke anything but the truth. That's it. Not watered down, not added to, not twisted, not amended. No guile, no misintent, the full truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth every time. Now let's suppose that God fixed you up, fixed me up, so that from this night forward, you couldn't tell a lie. Make it hard to fit, get it in, in society, make it hard to have friends, and make it hard to earn a living, but, but you couldn't tell a lie. You still couldn't speak the truth. You don't know all the truth. See, I could, I could not lie, but I don't know the truth that's in your heart. I don't know the truth of your thoughts. I don't know the truth about a million subjects or a million things in this world. If I never told another lie, I don't know the truth about people's motivations. And You understand what I'm saying? Jesus Christ spoke truth because He knew truth. It's, not, it's more than just not lying. He had all the information. Nobody has all the information. You go, people go, they sit in a room, they pay some money, you know, and a guy sits up in the front of the room and he said, oh, I, uh, somebody here tonight, I, I'm, I'm sensing, I'm feeling, there's, there's, uh, there's somebody here tonight uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, um, 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 sadness. Oh, oh. Me? How, how did he know? It's, it's me. Oh, would you, would you come up here? Oh, what's your name? Leave. Oh, your sadness. Uh, um, I, I'm sensing that your dad's in town. Wow. That took a lot. So they go through all that stuff. And so people pay money because, oh, he's clairvoyant. You know what? Jesus be sitting on a meal with somebody and said, I'm glad you asked. And they never said a word. You want want to know why I'm letting her touch my feet? I'll tell you. (laughs) He knew their thoughts. That'd freak you out. (laughs) Can you imagine that? You're, you're, you're riding along in the, in the van going to the racetrack to, you know, to evangelize with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of them turns around and says, well, if I, if I got B.O., why didn't you just tell me? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Well, I, I heard you. That's the Lord. Look, he didn't just not lie. He knew all the truth. And he said it. And there's never been a man walk across the face of this earth like that. He spoke only truth, all the truth. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter number 4. Mark 4. When we get Mark 4, turn over to Psalm number 65. Mark 4 and Psalm 65. Talking about Jesus... Blesses our hearts, doesn't it? Talk about Jesus. 
Mark chapter 4, verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind, waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. Verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, obviously he's a man, but obviously he's a man superior to the very creation. It's subject to him. Why is that? Psalm 65, verse 1, Praise waiteth for thee, who? O God. Who are we talking about? God. Verse 5, by terrible things and righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth. So, we're talking about God. Verse 6, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people. Now, who can calm the seas? God. Who can calm the wind and the waves? God. Who stood on the deck of that ship and said to the wind and the waves, Peace be still, and the wind and the seas obeyed him? That would be the man. What manner of man is this? I'll tell you what manner of man he is. He's God manifest in the flesh. That's who he is. All right, John chapter 19. John chapter number 19. We will close with good advice from a bad man. John chapter 19. John 19. Verse number 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. And I say to you tonight, behold the man. There were men through history empowered by God who wrought miracles. There were men through history who empowered by God even raised the dead. There were men through history who empowered by God spoke Such truth that it changed the destiny and fate of an entire nation. But there's never been a man who stood bruised, bloodied, and beaten with no sin of his own. Who then took a cross upon his shoulder and carried it to Mount Calvary to die for your sins and for mine. And a very bad man spoke some very great truth. Behold the man.
Take a good look at him. Because he had the power to walk away. He had the power to change the rules. He had the power to just sentence the entire race to hell. But that man, that man went to the cross and bare your sins and mine. And God said, I approve of that sacrifice and raised him from the dead. And I say to you tonight, behold the man. Bruised, bloody, beaten, mocked despised, rejected. In your place. In my place. He died that we might live. He suffered that we might rejoice. He entered the darkness that we might walk in the light. Behold the man. He's God. He's the mighty God. But He's man. And all men combined couldn't do for you, couldn't do for me what that man did. He took away our sins. Praise be to God. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you tonight for the man, Christ Jesus, who suffered, bled, died, That we might live. Lord help us to love him. More and more with all our hearts. For all our lives. We ask and pray these things in his precious and holy name. Amen.